you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody. What's going on? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. And we have uh, plenty of coaching news to talk about today, Buck, as well as it sounds like a very intriguing player entering the NFL draft. Yeah, crazy um, last 48 hours with all the coaching moves and then a uh, prominent quarterback deciding that he is going to cast his lot into the National Football League. Oh, oh yeah, and by the way, we have uh, we have some big playoff games this weekend as well. Four oh, playoff I mean, games, yeah. yeah, kind of a big deal. We'll <laughs> uh, we'll jump in and do our preview of those games uh, once we get through this uh, this news here at the top, which is going to consist of a lot of new ho- coaching hires. But it's not official yet, I guess. But there was a report that came out that said the Oklahoma quarterback, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Kyler Murray, is going to throw his hat into the ring, and and maybe baseball is. Uh, is on the back burner, Buck. Maybe this this is a this is a football kid right now, and a baseball kid in Kyler Murray. Yeah, talented playmaker. Um, obviously, the Heisman Trophy winner um, is a special and unique talent at the position. Um, we could talk about all the good things that he brings to the field: um, high IQ, big time arm, tremendous athlete, has speed, has quickness, uh, loves to perform on the big stage, has a reputation for being a winner going all the way back to high school. Some would say he may have been the best high school player to ever play at the state of Texas which says a lot, but he is going to have to work around two things. He has to work around the height-size deal, uh, being at a guy that will probably come in at under 5'10", some are saying 5'9", um, and he's under 200 pounds. And so you wonder, you wonder if he's big enough to kind of withstand uh, the contact and the physicality and punishment of playing in the league. And then the other thing is the baseball issue. Which one does he really, really love? Because he's been a first-round pick in baseball is he more committed to playing baseball or football? That will be some of the things that he has to work through. But there's no doubt in my mind, just from a, a pure talent perspective, that he is a first-round talent. It's just a matter of which team is willing to bank on his willingness to come to the league and his ability to get it done in the league. Yeah, and, and we say this every year when it when it comes to these draft prospects. And where could you know people want to go, where could they go? Look, it only takes one team. Uh, mm-hmm. You could talk to 20 teams that say, you know what, he doesn't really fit with us. You know, we're not going to try and alter what we're doing a little bit. And 
and his size would be an issue for us. It only takes one, and, and there will definitely be one. I'd be shocked if this kid didn't go in the first round. And when I, I watched him last night, Buck, uh, first thing I did is I watched all the third and six-plus throws, which I, I love to watch on all these quarterbacks. He kind of eliminate some of the bubble screens, see these guys push the ball down the field. He has got a cannon. I mean, he has a huge arm. Uh, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield had a very strong arm, as we've all seen. This kid's arm is every bit as strong, if not stronger. Um, the ball jumps out of his hand. He's obviously one of the fastest quarterbacks you're ever going to see. When he takes off, he, he covers ground in a hurry. Um, but I don't think he's as accurate as Baker was on the on the, on the the flip side. I think that's a little bit of an issue there. I don't think he moves around in the pocket quite as well as Baker. Like he wants to get out of there a little bit more. Um, so I don't think he's the he's a different he's a different player he's a different style of player a little bit even though they played in the same offense but if you commit to it and you want to spread people out and uh, and put him back deep in the shotgun where he can see um, which you know, basically is NFL football right now absolutely this guy can play uh, it's it's weird I would have never thought I mean if you if both of us were having a conversation mm-hmm. in a coffee shop in in Mobile at the Senior Bowl five years ago and said we're gonna have a five foot eight five foot nine quarterback there's no <laughs> chance it's a different it's changed man and and you've got to adjust to it I think he's a more natural passer than Lamar Jackson I, I don't know where you are on that but I think it's just he can throw from a variety of platforms, and he can throw with some touch and, and, and everything else. So I thought he was a better thrower of the football than Lamar. Yeah, I don't even think they're similar in, at all in terms of how they play or whatever. I think the biggest thing for me is I would comp him to more like Russell Wilson in terms of like kind of starting from their bases, particularly because Russell also played baseball. He is not as thick um, as Russell what was. What is he going to weigh, ended. by the way? The league, you know? I, think, I, mean, I think he's going to be probably about 195. I don't think he's much bigger than that, if, if that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he's he's going to be whatever he is, five, eight and a half, five, nine, five, ten. I went back and I looked at our opening um, stuff when he came through, and it, he measured out at five ten. I don't know if that was just a generous measurement, but he didn't do <laughs> he didn't do any of the testing. And normally, I just kind of wanted to see what he ran, but he didn't do anything. And some of that may have been due to the baseball stuff. But yeah. he's more explosive than Russell is as an athlete. Um, I would say their arm talent is comparable. I think the one thing when it comes to Russ is that he's not as thick as Russ was entering the league. And we've seen how Russ has kind of grown into his body and become a little yep. thicker. Um, you know, I don't know if, if Kyler could ever be um, Russell's build. But I do believe, look, man, the kid has been playing all of his life. Like, he's never had any major injuries. He's always been away. Uh, found a way to be successful. They talk about Texas high school football being the best football that's out there. He did it at a bigger stage in the Big 12, so I won't count him out. And in this draft, I think it's a perfect storm because we can talk about Dwayne Haskins being the prototypical, but all those other guys, they're question marks everywhere, so why not throw your your, your head into the ring and just kind of see which team falls in love? When I talk to people – I got a lot of favorable responses on, look, man, he might not be necessarily for our team, mm-hmm. but there's no doubt about the talent. And so when you hear enough of those, you begin to think, like, he's going in the first round. I just yeah. have no idea where. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that assessment. He's going to definitely go in the first round. And then there's that – I saw Schefter had kind of speculated a little bit this morning that, you know, there's that video floating around of about, Cliff Kingsbury saying yeah, he'd take him a, with the first pick when he was, you know, while obviously never knew he would be on with a team that had the first pick. And then you've got Josh Rosen there in Arizona, so maybe they trade Josh Rosen, they draft Kyler Murray number one and commit full time to this uh, mm. Cliff Cliff Kingsbury brand of football. But when I when I saw that report, Buck, I don't know where you are on this, but my first thought was, knowing what we learned about Josh Rosen a little bit through the draft process, 
even just because Adam Schefter is so reputable, the fact that this is being floated out there, if Josh Rosen is unquestioned your guy, you better get out here. Somebody needs to get out there and say something in right the next away. 24 hours and say right this away. ain't happening. We oh, are committed not happening. to Josh Rosen. Or Josh Rosen ain't gonna be ha- that ain't gonna, that is not going to end well if you don't back him right now and then you end up keeping and staying with Josh Rosen. That will not be forgotten by Josh Rosen. Oh, it won't be. So that's why they need to squash it. If there's anything, especially because it came out of Cliff Kingsbury's mouth, even though it came out of his mouth in October, he yeah. needs to squash and say, hey, Josh Rosen is my guy. And I know he was very um, effusive in his praise at the press but conference. That was before the Kyler Murray stuff. Right, right. So now he has to make sure and go back and make sure that number three knows, hey, you're my guy. We're going to build this thing around you, and that's how we're going to proceed. And Steve Kime also can um, kind of squash that as well to let everyone know that we already have our franchise quarterback. We're looking to find another impact player at the top of the draft. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens there with Kyler Murray. I would just kind of pencil it in right now based off what I've seen. And I have plenty more work to do on all these guys. Um, I, I would still have it as Haskins at number one, Buck. Um, and then uh, to me, two and three, I actually kind of like Drew Locke more than I thought I would. I know the completion percentage is not great. Um, but I kind of liked him when I watched him. So to me, I think that's a competition with, with Locke. Um, and uh, and Daniel Jones there for that number two and three spot, and and Kyler Murray's just he's a wild card. So to me, he would be he'd be four. But again, we saw Baker Mayfield. I thought he was the third best, and he was absolutely the right pick for the Browns, and he went one overall. So um, I, I think that those are the four names that we got to focus on though going into the spring. Yeah, I, I think so. And then it comes down to looking at what teams need, uh, what 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 are they looking for? How do they want to build their offense? And now that the coaches are beginning to settle. Um, around. Let, let's look and see what is available. The one thing that we, we, we do know, certain guys have certain parameters where quarterbacks won't fit. The fact that Drew Locke and Daniel Jones are both more of the prototypical style, um, they're going to carry favor in some rooms, whereas Kyler Murray is a little different. And look, at, I mean, 2001 was my first draft. That's the Drew Brees uh, Michael Vick draft. And we absolutely, no matter how great Drew Brees played, we couldn't put a first round grade on him. And and so mm-hmm. he went 32nd overall. He was a second-round pick to the San Diego Chargers at the time, and that's what it was. And now we've seen Baker Mayfield, a guy with similar dimensions, go number one. So all bets are off in terms of what Kyler Murray would be. But I just know it made our draft coverage a lot better because now we got some quarterbacks that we can talk about. <laughs> I know. We thought we were kind of always going to be talking about defensive oh, so line the It's going to be meat and potatoes. And now that yep. I saw the report coming in today that they may the A's may allow him to work out at the combine, and all I could do was clap my hands. Here we go. <laughs> we, we got go. something to talk about it. Put combine. some eyeballs on it. Yeah. Put some so, eyeballs on it. Yeah. So um, I think that's the thing, and it's, it's always obviously better when you have some sizzle when it comes to the quarterback. And um, I think the one thing that I do want to kind of warn people because we're gonna hear this narrative, uh, especially coming out of Monday night's championship game with Trevor Lawrence and two and yep. those guys. Everyone's gonna talk about this class being weak, and I'm gonna say please don't dismiss the talent at quarterback in this class. It's a little different than past years, but look, I remember. A couple years ago with Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, and those guys doing question marks <laughs> on Trubisky. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then this year, like last year, um, we talked about it being celebrated, but there were questions on Josh Allen, Sam Donald, and the like. Every year there are questions on the quarterback. It's about picking the right one for your franchise and then having a plan. And the other thing that we have to kind of, I guess, kind of get this out of our head, yeah, there's no waiting to get on the field. Whoever you take, they're going to play their rookie season. 
after mm. two games, four games, first start. At some point, the rookie's going to play. So we can talk. We can quit talking about, hey, they need to sit a year and get some seasoning. Yeah, that's not really happening. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it does not exist. And, you know, the funny thing is I think – You've got Luck and or uh, sorry Drew Locke and and Jones Daniel Jones kind of I think vying for position. They're mm-hmm. both I believe going to be on the same team, uh, coached by the Raiders at the Senior Bowl. So we'll get a chance to sort those guys out. And then I mean you could not be any polar opposite the way Dwayne Haskins plays the game and the way Kyler Murray plays the game. Here they are both Heisman finalists. Uh, Murray wins it. Murray undersized, um, explosive. You know you kind of the national they're the uh, semifinal game. I didn't think he played particularly well. You look at the box no. he ran for over a hundred yards against against Alabama. No, he didn't. And play Dwayne great. Haskins is a pure pocket passer. Like he is not moving at all. No, and 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 that's the thing. Like the thing with Dwayne Haskins and. We can pick them apart. We can talk about the other guys. I, I think it's just really, really important that everyone kind of do the evaluation, uh, make sure they kind of put their grades down and kind of put it put it in the desk. And when we go through this roller coaster ride of the the you know the Senior Bowl, the combine, the workouts, man, just try and remember how they played and try not to get caught up in the workouts and some of the other stuff because, man, it's gonna fool you. And we'll see a lot yep. of movement. And the guys that are probably the best evaluators are the ones that kind of stay true to process. And, oh, I wanted to ask you this because you were in Baltimore, yeah. Ozzie Newsom, Phil Savage at the time. They were known as – I mean, that, I mean, that organization was known as probably the best drafting organization. How did y'all treat all-star games and workouts when it came up to the combine? We always talked about – and you hear it in the media now all the time, but we always talked about just check another box. So we wanted guys that kind of – we felt like just kind of passed all the tests – but we always set our board before the All-Star games. So guy's not going to fall too far. Guy's not going to rise too much. So you kind of have them anchored to the board a little bit before you get here. But we, you know, we'd be in the meetings and say, okay, I passed the test in the regular season. He passed the test at the All-Star game. He was, did everything he needed to do with the combine. He interviewed well. His physical came back fine. Those are the types of guys we wanted to take in the first two rounds. We want to get guys that were just clean across the board and didn't have any hiccups. Uh, throughout that process but now you can get some values you can get some values now when you get in those middle rounds because the guy might lay an egg in an all-star game and uh, and people discount everything that he did through the tape I mean I see it he didn't lay an egg in the all-star game but I remember um, you know Desmond King getting beat vertically by Cooper Cup and that kind of stuck to him a little bit in the draft process mm-hmm. the Chargers ended up getting him in the fifth round buck now he they don't ask him to play outside he plays a nickel the guys an all pro um, so you can you can kind of get confused a little bit by what takes place these all-star games Okay, so it's funny that you mentioned that uh, about the All-Star game. So you obviously worked under um, Ozzie Newsom, who is a Hall of Famer. As a player, would be a Hall of Famer as an executive if he yep. wasn't already in there. Um, I worked under all those guys that were descendants under the Ron Wolf tree, and the way that we treated All-Star games were completely different. They were independent and separate from whatever the regular season grade was. So we would give a grade based on the film study from the regular season, and then mm-hmm. we would look at the All-Star games. And the All-Star games – so in the regular season, like, you know how you give – we have the grading scale, and the grading scale would go up yeah. to 8.0. So mm-hmm. you give a grade, and so maybe a bottom of the first round grade would be a 7.0. That's right at the bottom of the first round. It just means that you're a solid starter. You'll be a starter from day one. That's the expectation. In all-star games, it was a simpler, smaller grading scale that was really one to five. So if a guy had an excellent week uh, at the Senior Bowl or at the – blue gray game or any of the games we went to we just give them a five if it was mm-hmm. very good four three or whatever but that grade didn't really factor into um 
how we viewed him on the board. It was just a thing to be like, oh, okay, well, look, at the All-Star game, he, he, he kind of had a little issue dealing with speed. Let's go back to the regular season tape and see if that showed up at all. And is there anything that we missed based on what we saw at the All-Star game? The same thing would be said for uh, workouts at the Combine. Watch him work out. If a speed issue came up, hey, let's go back and look at the tape. The grade doesn't change, but let's make sure we didn't overlook anything. Now, I know some people, some organizations do it a little differently, but I was always kind of taught, like, that's how you evaluate it. Make sure your grade is really rooted into what you saw from them on the film in the fall and that you don't get swayed too much by what happens after December. Yeah, we did something similar. So every um, – if you were there in an All-Star game, you don't stay for the game, for those that don't know. The most of the scouts come in there, your personnel department's in there for the practices, and then you'll watch the game on uh, on tape when it comes into the facility. But you're there from, you know, Monday to Thursday. Uh, so Thursday – or Wednesday evening, I guess I should say, because you watch the morning practice Thursday, then usually they leave. But Wednesday evening, we would rent out a, a conference room, and we would – all the scouts would come in there. And during the week, every scout would be assigned to a position at at the Senior Bowl. So we would then – um, you had to write a little summary on your on the guys in your position. You had to give them, we used the same grading scale we used in the fall. You had to give them a grade um, for that week, and then you had to rank them in their position group. So we'd say, all right, well, let's start with DBs. DJ, you did the DBs, so I'd read my uh, I'd go through all of them. All right, starting with the number one guy, you know, da da da. He did this this week, you know, 67. All right, number two guy this week, da da da. And so you were kind of stacking those guys just based off of that week, and then it could be a little bit of a um, it could be a tiebreaker, I guess I should say, when you get into the draft room. Say, hey, we have – trying to sort this guy out. Two guys said they'd take Jones. Two guys said they'd take Smith. You know, while they were at the Senior Bowl together in the same DB group, and Jones, you know, we had him as the number one guy that week. Smith was the number five guy, so that'll be the tiebreaker. We'll put him over him. So that's kind of how we did it. Man, this it's just so funny when you talk about, like, the tiebreaker because I told you we did those long – uh, meetings leading up oh, to the yeah. combine where we're all yeah. together. And even though you've graded everybody in the fall, like we would sit there. So if there were 12 scouts on staff, we would sit around the table, we were popping the tape. And uh, on the board, we would have all the left tackles or all the offensive tackles uh, in alphabetical order. And we would just go down alphabetical order, pop three tapes in on blankety blank prospect A. We'll look at all of them, then we kind of have a group discussion, and then we would kind of set the board that way. And it would take about 17 to 18 days to get through all of the names. But the one thing that I liked about doing it that way, because I was working in the West and I hadn't um, had an opportunity to see some of the guys in the Southeast, it gave me an opportunity that by the time I got to the Combine, I knew who everyone was. So at least when I'm looking at them, I'm like, oh, okay, I remember the kid from Mississippi State. Oh, I remember That's that great. guy from LSU. So it just it just gave me a different um, kind of perspective. And it actually, in my mind, helped me when I went back on the road to be like, yeah, this guy's nice out west. He, but he's, he's a, a nice monster. west coast defensive <laughs> yes. lineman. He yeah, yeah. So, so, it was, so it was so it was good from that vantage point. But I, I, I kind of wanted to get into that because um, – I mean, you had the opportunity to work in Baltimore. So sometimes, like we always talk about the secret sauce, and because they've been able to kind of knock it out of the park, I just wondered, what is, what, you know, like pour some of that ketchup out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go through just real quick here. Um, give me uh, – see if we can do – let's see uh, one-liner, okay? I'm going to give you the coach that's been hired by the organization, and you just kind of give me your one-liner. It could be a comment, could be a question, could be a concern. You, you, it's up to you, Buck. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a challenge. You ready to go? Yep. All right. The Jets hire Adam Gase. Ugh. 
That's your comment? <laughs> I just ugh. Ugh. I just yeah. don't I just don't know how to feel about this because he has a reputation for being a quarterback developer and everything is about Sam Darnold. He's gonna bring Dowell Loggins with him. But I just don't know I, I guess I need to know the success stories. Well, everybody I, I, says, you know, Peyton had his best year with Gase. That was how he got the the reputation started to grow. And then you had Cutler had two of his better years. I think two of his best years with him there with the Bears. That's what got him the Dolphins job. And Tannehill played well early when he was healthy. So yeah. that's 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 the that's the supporting argument. Yeah. So that's so that's the, I just I'm man, I'm just curious like what is he going to do because he's it's just odd inside a division to get Man, let go inside odd. the division and picked up odd. inside the division. Got, Don't got, see got that very fired often. from your division rival, and you scoop him up and make him your guy. And I think the weirder thing that came out of that, it seemed like your guy Matt Rule was really in play, but that McCagnan wanted to hire his staff. Like who would ever yeah. agree to that? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I think that's probably you know I, I tip my cap to Matt Rule and saying hey you know what he's he is his reputation is really growing in the NFL for what he's doing at the college level he's got NFL some NFL experience he's got the Tom Coughlin stamp of approval haven't been around him don't just wait man it, you'll you'll get a job where you get to bring all your dudes don't don't take one and get get other coaches forced on you that's just be patient he'll, he he's going to get one here he's a good coach man yeah i, I mean I, th- I think he is a good coach and i think what he's been able to do in Baylor turn the program around um, having some NFL experience, turn the program around in Temple. Like, DJ, if I'm talking about taking a college guy, that's the kind of college guy that I want. I would like to have a little level of success and be like, oh, okay, he's running his program. He understands how to get the program going. Because mm-hmm. in the NFL, that's what you have to do. you got to get the entire program going beyond just a quarterback. All right, let's go to the next one here. Freddie Kitchens, the Browns. I like it. Um, I like it. I had a conversation with someone who was on staff up there uh, last year, and they talked about Freddie Kitchens and the collaborative effort um, that he kind of engaged in after he took over on offense and how they kind of share responsibilities, how the players were involved in terms of building the game plan and those things. And I really, really like that. There's a part of me that believes that coaching in the pros is really a cooperation. You want to solicit feedback from all of your assistants. You want players to have a little bit of input because I just believe more people are willing to invest and kind of buy in when you kind of give them a little say in the process. Yeah, I liked it too. I think it's smart. He's already shown he can uh, he can move the football, and he's uh, he's got a good rapport there with Baker Mayfield. Now that just comes down to me hiring the right defensive coordinator. Craig Williams is out. They got to go find a good coordinator. So that'll be his challenge. But I, I do like the move. I think it makes sense. Uh, Broncos, Vic Fangio, love it, and I love it because at a time when everyone are, are kind of reaching out trying to find these inexperienced head coaches, I like the fact that. The Broncos are getting these grizzled guys together. Not only do you get Vic Fangio, but you get Gary Kubiak, who used to be the head coach. You have that experience there. You have experienced play callers on both sides of the ball. And for a team that I think still defensively, they have enough pieces to almost be at that championship level. I believe these are the right guys to kind of get it going. I like what they're doing in Denver on this one. Yeah, I was talking with somebody that said uh, in the league that said, you know what, Elway's still from kind of the old school. And he just went and found a guy that's a good football coach. You know, like he's, you know, maybe a little bit, Vic's a little bit gruff. I've been around him uh, in Baltimore, and he's going to he's gonna be very frank and maybe not going to be the best press conference guy, but he's a football coach. And, he was in uh, Baltimore? He, I, I, I didn't yeah, know. Vic was there. He was kind of up top as uh, as Billick's, like, timeout guy. Like, he was kind oh, of okay. consultant. I, man, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't know he spent any time I think it was just Baltimore. for one year. Oh, okay, wow. Yep. Yeah, he was, uh, I don't think he was, he wasn't on the field. He was just, uh, he was up in the booth. Um all right, uh, Bruce Arians to Tampa. 
Hey, I, th- I love this one too. I think experience matters. Just like we talked about the Denver Broncos going and getting the best coach. I think the fact that Bruce Arians um, is grizzled enough, and I, that's the word that I used earlier. Um, I think he's grizzled enough to maybe maximize Jameis Winston. I think he might be the right kind of tough guy, nice guy to kind of work there. But I also like the fact that he had a staff ready to go when he got there. Todd Bowles as his defense coordinator, Brian Leftwich coming in as the offensive coordinator. I think this is a move that Bruce Arians may be there for a couple years. I think this job transitions eventually to Todd Bowles in Tampa. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I like it. He's got to get uh, Jameis up and running. I think Bruce Arians will gel very well with him. Reminds me a lot there at Jimbo. Um, so that'll be interesting there. Uh, Kingsbury, I know you've gone on record on this one, so I'll take it, Buck. Um, shocked, maybe, I guess. Shocked would be the word I would use. I just didn't think you could sell it, you know. Uh, part of the part of the deal is you got to be able to sell the hire, not only to the not, – not, not talking to the fan base. I'm even talking to the team. You know, he's gonna. It's gonna take a minute, I think, for Cliff Kingsbury to earn the trust of some veterans on that team. They might just go full rebuild, just just scrap it, Buck, and just go completely young and try and build it up from the ground floor. Because I can imagine that will get met with some eye rolls in the building. You know, look, this guy's wasn't successful at Texas Tech. Um, the guy had an NFL MVP at quarterback and still wasn't winning big. And then for to answer the question, everybody's gonna say, "Oh, he's, it's hard to win at Texas Tech." Well, Mike Leach was more successful at Texas <laughs> Tech with a lot less. So I'm I'm just saying I, he's going to have to win over the building, um, and that's going to be uh, it's going to be his first challenge there. You know the funny thing is, uh, of all of the coaches at Texas Tech, he has the worst record. Mike Leach, Sonny Dykes, all those guys like he falls wow. below all those guys. Now I w- I will say this, um, the first month of the season is going to be the most important month for Cliff Kingsbury. If they can start out fast, then I think you'll get guys to buy into it. But this move. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Steve Spurrier hire in Washington. And so it's really, really important that he picks a staff that has enough NFL experience that can get it going while still respecting him. And I think that is going to be a hard deal because when he comes and depending on how his ideas are and if his ideas are kind of too far off the radar and they're real collegiate-like, some of those old – Old school coaches are going to look yeah. at him sideways and they're going to walk out the building and they're going to start murmuring to themselves. And I don't think he can have those kind of guys on his staff. And he also has to hire the right defensive coordinator because the defensive coordinator in a way is going to be the de facto head coach because he is going to be the one that's experienced in the league. And he has to make sure he not only gets a guy that has the right um, resume and winning pedigree, he also has the right personality so he doesn't kind of usurp what Cliff Kingsbury is trying to do in Arizona. Right, great points. All right, just quickly on this last one here because we talked about it because we got it in real time on the pod uh, previously, but LaFleur with the Packers. Uh, you know, this is this is an interesting hire. Um, man, I text a bunch of good guys about LaFleur, and they said uh, X and O's wise, he's terrific, uh, great mind, brilliant mind, has been exposed to a lot of stuff. He comes from the Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan tree. However, they said, man, I had one guy tell me, like, man, I just never saw him as a head coach type. Like, I, I just yeah. never saw that. I had another guy say, like, look, leadership skills and communication are his weakness. So the the relationship between he and Aaron Rodgers will be interesting how he tries to navigate that. And by his own admission, he talked about, like, working with Matt Ryan and how it took a little while for Matt Ryan to kind of warm up to him. I think the biggest thing that LaFleur has to be is when he walks in the door, he has to be authentic. Whatever his personality is, 
He has to just own, this is how I go about it. And then the second thing he has to do is he has to find a middle ground with Aaron Rodgers. A little bit of what he likes, a little bit of what I like come together, but I don't think he can come in as a young, inexperienced guy and kind of tell the former MVP, this is how we're going to do it. It's my way or the highway. He has to kind of figure out a way to bridge that relationship because if he gets that right, everybody else will fall in the line. Yeah, I think we can kind of say the same thing about all these. It's about earning some trust, I think. The one built-in advantage is uh, is when you look at Freddie Kitchens there. He already has a trust of, of that building with uh, with what he did with that offense there in Cleveland. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with these other two openings. We've got the Bengals and the Dolphins still waiting to see what happens there. I hear Chris Richard, uh, kind of your guy, Buck, uh, with the Dolphins potentially uh, could happen. That's <laughs> yeah, like, that's a like, real possibility. Yeah, like the, two, the two names that you're hearing are Chris Richard and Brian Flores. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Greer has a relationship, a long relationship with the New England Patriots because his dad, Bobby Greer, was a longtime executive there. And so maybe he looks back at that organization and appreciates and respects the stability of that program and maybe he tries to emulate some of that down in Miami. Or he just goes for a guy that I call an energy guy. Uh, Chris Richard is the energizer bunny. He's a guy that when we were in Seattle, we drafted him. He was a third-round pick for us, played for us for a couple years, then we traded him to Miami where he finished his career. And he has a reputation for being one of the best teachers in the in the game, but he's also one of the best leaders. And so if you're looking for a dynamic leader, he certainly is that. I don't know if the Miami Dolphins can go wrong with either of those, either of those guys, but I also believe that the special teams coach, Rizzi, that they keep interviewing – he could yeah. be in play, and I think more teams should look and consider special team coaches because they are the one coach that deals with everybody on the team. The coordinators yep. on both sides, the players on both sides, they always have to be in tune when it comes to game management. It's an underrated position, but it's one that could turn out a really good head coach. Just look at what John Harbaugh has been able to do. No doubt. Good point. Um, we'll see what happens with those last two openings. And uh... – Buck, before we get to these NFL games, big playoff games here, we'll let everybody know they can stream every NFL playoff game live on your mobile or tablet through the NFL or Yahoo Sports app. So if you're on the move, you can still check out uh, the playoff games this week. Let's just go. We're kind of we're getting a little bit short on time. Yeah. Just kind of the one key here. Uh, let's go through the games. Colts, Chiefs, what, what's the overriding uh, thing here? What's going to decide this game? Colts have to control the ball. Um, and I know, like, man, Frank and I go way back, and Frank had talked about, like, oh, we're not going to play keep away. We're going to try and score it or whatever. But if he's trying to fast break with the Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to get blown out the building. I know they're a high-scoring outfit, but the best part of the Kansas City Chiefs is their offense. So the best way to keep them at bay, don't let them get the ball. If they continue to play the way that they played, control the ball, take shots out of maximum protection, two-man routes um, – and find a way to kind of get their time of possession to about the 32 to 33 mark, I absolutely believe that the Indianapolis Colts can go on the road and win a playoff game. Yep. Uh, I think you said it perfectly. I, I like the Colts in this game. I think they match up well. I just think Andrew Luck's going to have a little bit easier go of it against that uh, that group on the other side than uh, Pat Mahomes will going up against a pretty stingy Colts defense. I, still shooting, though. It's going to be shootout. Big-time shootout. High-scoring game. Uh, Cowboys-Rams. I'll take this one, Buck. To me, uh, when I look at this ball game, I think these uh, – these linebackers for the Cowboys, this is a perfect stage for them. Uh, they got to be able to play inside-out versus Todd Gurley in that perimeter run game. They'll run those fly sweeps. They're able to get to the edges. And you're not always going to be able to set the edge with your uh, with your ends. So you got to be able to sprint to the football inside-out. I think the speed of the Dallas Cowboys inside linebackers, not only ranging uh, to the perimeter, but also going to be challenged a little bit in coverage. We saw this Rams offense 
when Todd Gurley was rolling, we saw them uh, isolate some good linebackers. Shoot, I remember Anthony Barr getting uh, toasted. Uh, so they're going to have to show up in coverage as well. But I think the Cowboys linebackers will be the key to this game. Yeah, the Cowboys linebackers have to do a good job of containing Todd Gurley. When I look at the Rams personnel, I really think they're a team that has to scheme it up for their guys to win. I like the Cowboys personnel on the outside better. And then on offense, I just think if the Cowboys are able to run the football and kind of pound it, it's another game of keep away. And playing at the Coliseum, it plays in their favor because more than 50% of the fans in the building will be Cowboy fans. Yep. Well, be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I'll be doing Chargers, Patriots, so I'll just get your thoughts on this one. What do you think here, Buck? You know, look, if, if the Chargers are able to walk into the stadium and they don't get daunted by the helmet and the logo, they absolutely should be the team that wins it. They're the more talented team. They're the team that has all the A-level players. If we drafted the top ten players on both rosters, I would say eight or nine of them would be Chargers over Patriots. And so that's the deal. But the Patriots are a team that they typically find a way to do whatever it takes to win. And in this game, I think they're going to play Wisconsin basketball. I think you're going to see more 21 and 22 personnel. They're going to run the football, and they're really going to be selective with their slots, their shots. They don't want Phillip Rivers in this offense to get on track. I just kind of think that Tom Brady's going to try and control it on his end, and it really would be up to the Chargers' defense to dictate the terms. I'll just give you one guy here for the uh... – uh, for the Patriots to keep an eye on here is Trey Flowers is uh, is a really good defensive player there. He can generate some pressure and move him around if they want to. So uh, that'd be one guy I just think keep an eye on for the Patriots. Uh, the Chargers had had some uh, pass protection issues. They were much better that last meeting uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, but previously against the uh, Ravens and the Broncos, they had some issues. So uh, keep an eye on him. Trey Flowers would be a key player for the Patriots in that game. Uh, Eagles, Saints, what do you think? Man, you know, like, you got to weather the storm. Everybody that I've ever talked to about playing the Saints in their place, they always talk about the way they play at home is so much faster than the way they play at the road. So you have to be able to kind of get out of the first round. I mean, they were kind of liken it to an old-school Ronda Rousey fight. Like, you got to get past the first round <laughs> and take in the deep water. If you can do that, you can survive. The Philadelphia Eagles have to just kind of be in range at the end of the first quarter. If they do that, I think they can rely on their experience and, and, and find a way to maybe get it done at the end. But that first quarter is everything. If I'm the Saints, you want to start fast and get that crowd whipped into a frizzy. And if I'm the Eagles, I just kind of want to stay close and kind of take it into the fourth quarter and find a way to knock them off at the end. Yeah, you want to hang in there. And I'll tell you what, the other thing you've got to do is you, you've got to take away the stars. Um, you, you can't If you're the Eagles and you lose this game and they're throwing the ball around to everybody else but Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, you, you just kind of live with it. You know, mm -hmm. that's, If that happens, that happens. What you can't do is you can't get out there in that first drive and you look up and, and Michael Thomas has already caught three balls and, and Kamara's got loose. You've got to find a way to take those guys away. Um, that, that, to me, is going to be the big challenge for that group. Uh, when you go back and, and look at their earlier meeting uh, with the Saints, uh, I mean, look, they, Michael Thomas did a pretty good job. Four catches for 92 yards. Um, but, man, they've got to do – they've got to continue to do that with him and then shut down Kamara. They couldn't get Kamara stopped in that first meeting. So, uh, that, that, that to me is the key for that Eagles defense. Yeah, that is absolutely the key. They have to do a good job of, of containing it, slowing it down. But you're right. Uh, this is as simple as you have to make someone outside of number 41 and number 13 beat you. Make, make somebody else – make plays, let somebody else be a hero, but you cannot let those guys get off. Um, make Drew Brees have to go a little deeper down the depth chart to find some playmakers in this game. Well, there you go. Let's uh, 
Let's look forward to a great weekend of NFL football, and we'll sooner or later, Buck, we're going to know uh, who's coming into the draft officially. I saw the Missouri tight end just announced he's going back to school, which is a blessing because I don't know how to pronounce his last name, and I was all stressed <laughs> out about it. He was going to be Albert O, but uh, he's going back to Missouri, so we'll worry about him next year. Yeah, man, so many tight ends in this draft. Like, if you're looking for playmakers, the second and third round should be Ooh. loaded with tight ends. Tons of them. Tons, Tons of them. Good group of safeties, too. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get out of here. Look forward to catching up with everybody next week. Uh, you're going to have the PBU. You've got Rhett in, I believe, Sunday, right, to go over uh, a little takeaway podcast, which will be released on Monday, and then we'll be down there in Tampa for the East-West game. I think we're going to do a podcast down there. So um, we'll have all your uh, all your reaction to these games as well as a little preview there for some of these All-Star games coming up. So should be fun. Anything else you got, Buck? No, nah, that's it, man. Just working on a uh, notebook. Talking Wait, about Frank we got? Wright. Pl- what Look, we got Frank, Wright, Frank Wright talking about play calling and then how the Dallas Cowboys are built the right way to be a championship roster for years to come. All right, good stuff. NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks. You can check out Bucky's notebook uh, each and every week. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.